Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Coming up, a charismatic underachiever enters a dodgeball tournament with his group of ragtag friends in order to win the money needed to save his gym from the maniacal White Goodman, owner of rival Globo Gym. Dodgeball, a true underdog story, coming up next. You've got to make $50,000 so your gym becomes my gym. On the edge of sanity. We can play dodgeball. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> On the edge of decency. <laughs> That's not good. On the edge of reason. You like the rough stuff, huh? Real. Freaking naughty. Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. Rated PG-13, June 18th. All right, joined by producer Adam, and uh, as I said in the intro, we're going to talk a little dodgeball today. Uh, this was on the recommendation of Adam. Adam, what was the uh, genesis for recommending dodgeball this week? We had mentioned that uh, we hadn't done a comedy in a while, and um, so I was thinking of uh, good comedies to do. Um, and then I also thought, well, you know, it would be really cool to do a comedy that had a important anniversary coming up. So, uh, this movie is actually going to be 20 years old this year. So yeah. a very uh, big milestone for it. Almost and old enough like, to drink yeah. legally. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. It sounds like a really good time. Uh, it's a very good time to do dodgeball. Right. Um, been a while since I'd watched it before uh, we sat down and watched it over the last week. Uh, when was the first time you uh, checked this one out? Um, I probably didn't. I I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think I saw it when it uh, when it came out on video. Uh, but um, it was immediately funny to me because I mean I was in high school, <laughs> so uh, it, it was probably one of my favorite comedies uh, during that time, um, and. Uh, we always quoted it everywhere we went. Like, there's definitely uh, a few quotable lines that we'll be talking about later, probably. But, um, yeah, this one was up there with me and my friends. Mm -hmm. I know when I seen the trailers for it, it kind of put me in mind of like the concept was just a little too dumb for me, and I didn't think it would work. And I remember. We used to have a drive-in here in town. Well, actually, within like 20 minutes of us, we had like three or four operational drive-ins. And I remember seeing iRobot at the, mm. the drive-in, and they used to run like a double feature where if you paid to see one movie, you could watch the other movie for free. And Dodgeball was the second movie that was playing. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm here. I'll check this out, see how this was. And I remember leaving the drive-in like, man, like, Dodgeball was so much better than iRobot. Yeah. I'll stand by oh, that yeah. comment to this day. Like I've maybe watched iRobot twice. I used to watch Dodgeball like maybe two or three times a year. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. And I don't know what the consensus is, but I'm pretty sure the majority of people would probably agree with us. Mm. So and I remember when we worked for uh well, this is before you came on at uh when I worked at Big Blue, they had a uh when Actually, they used to promote 
like upcoming DVD releases in their ads, like, hey, this is going to be coming out Tuesday. Stop on it and pick up your copy. They had a like a promotion. We ended up dressing up in like like sweat attire, and they the DVD release actually had a dodgeball headband that came oh, with nice. it. And I remember putting the headband on, and then probably within twenty minutes, I started feeling real lightheaded. And it turns out the sweatband was too small for my head, and it started cutting off <laughs> circulation. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I remember like they ended up sending me home because I just felt like shit. So I just went and bought dodgeball and like fucking left, went home and watched it. The sweatband got you out of work so you could watch the movie. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I wish should have thought of more stuff like that. <laughs> like if Knives Out would have been a thing, would have had like a knife with it, and you're like, oh fuck, I sliced my <laughs> hand open trying to promote Knives Out. I gotta go home. I gotta get this <laughs> thing looked at. Maybe a, a little bit less uh, damaging to your body, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it was the era of jackass. You gotta, <laughs> you, know, you gotta do what you could. Yeah, I don't recommend. Yeah, like they should have come with a disclaimer with those headbands. Like, hey, listen, like if you've got a big head, don't put this on. <laughs> or if you have a lot of hair, which at the time I suffered from both of those, I used to have a thick, lustrous just locks of hair and I had a big head on top of that. So it was just a, a combination meant for disaster would come to that, but the headband couldn't withstand your mane. Yeah. Now like I have, <laughs> now it's nothing like the headband eventually won. I'm, I actually now will go back and say that, that headband is the reason why I'm suffering from hair loss. As we speak, I'm blaming it. Damn it. Dodgeball. I'm not blaming Dodgeball. Well, maybe, maybe Patches the Hulahan. I'll blame him. Okay, yeah, we can blame him. All right, um, but yeah, man, like uh, this is uh, that wheelhouse of the 2000 comedy, like 2000s era comedies that were just like they were just spitting out banger after banger in that era. Oh yeah, for sure. I was uh, actually talking uh, a little bit about that today. Um, uh, for listeners that don't know my wife's name i was i was talking to jenna today and i was like man there was a lot of comedies that came out you just don't see those anymore like uh we got uh dodgeball um pretty much all the scary movies um you know uh american pies um just lots of different franchises that had um uh just comedy after comedy after comedy and um uh, hangovers were probably the last gasp of uh, air for that kind of era. Um, I don't think movie studios uh, like to invest in comedies anymore, so we don't see them all that often. Well, I think a lot of it now is just the fact that they're not uh, viable at the box office. So yeah. a lot of the the cool concepts that would be comedies are now just going over to like like the streaming sites. Like um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what that is that uh. That Andy Samberg movie that came out a few years ago during the pan Palm Springs. It was like that oh, ground. Okay, yeah. I thought that was a, a, a fantastic movie. And I mean, I don't think it even had a theatrical run, or if it did, it got a very limited one. Yeah. Now I've noticed that they're trying to make a comeback. Uh, I know the Jennifer Lawrence movie that came out over the summer, uh, mm. No Hard Feelings, which 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just the mood I was in. wasn't a super big fan of it. Um, but it did fairly well at the box office. I think it made like seventy million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think just the um, risk versus reward with the studios is where it's at because um, they'll, you know, say, okay, your budget's uh, fifty million dollars. Um, do magic, and then they'll expect uh, like you know, superhero movie numbers, and it's just not going to happen. So they just don't want to do it. Well, I think, too, is um, like unlike the horror genre, which basically with horror, the concept is what sells the movie. With comedies, you've got to cast somebody that's fairly recognizable or else like no one's going to go see. Like, I'm not going to see somebody that I have no track record of there, you know, like whether they they make me laugh or not. Cause I mean, you know, I have a very s- certain style of humor that I gravitate towards. So if yeah. like, I've never heard of like the star of this movie, I'm not going to go see it. And mm-hmm. I would imagine that probably the biggest chunk of no hard feelings is budget probably went to paying Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know if it turned a profit or not. Yeah. I'm sure if it did, it probably didn't really do enough to warrant. Uh, like yeah. a sequel or like, oh, hey, maybe we should start investing in more of these movies. Now, I have noticed that that uh, that Glenn Powell, Sidney Sweeney rom-com, was it anything or anyone but you? Yeah. Um, it's been kind of, it's had some pretty uh, long legs. It came out, I think, right before Christmas, and it's been steadily in the top five. Now, it's not been doing like astronomical numbers but i mean it's starting to creep towards i think it's going to top out at around 70 or 80 as well so yeah. i don't know that's, maybe there's not too bad as long as it has legs i mean uh, you know you can consider that a success yeah but uh yeah man like i i think that i personally i think the the 2000 to 2009 era was probably like the last great run of uh, comedy and after that mm-hmm. you might get a couple of movies here or there that yeah. might like i know like uh neighbors the zach efron uh, yeah seth blockers was pretty good yeah blockers there was game night which we forgot to do game at night some point good. um yeah. i'm trying to think uh wasn't this is the end after oh, 2010 yeah, this is the end yeah mm-hmm. but i mean you could probably count on both hands the number of like really good comedies after 2010, whereas 2010, I mean, it was like just fuck. You had oh, yeah. seven or eight a year. It seemed like came out that were just really, really good. Now, um, I have a question for you. What, what would, um, your, uh, idea of uh good comedy be before you go and see it? Like, do you think the, uh, uh, like you were saying with dodgeball, you didn't really think the premise was all that interesting. You think the premise is uh, more of a factor in going to see a comedy and uh, knowing if it's going to be successful or not. Or do you think like, Oh, that trailer looked really funny. The movie's probably really funny. Well, I think like the trailer has to sell me, obviously like there has to be some laughs in the trailer. Um, yeah, but I, I think the premise is the, the biggest selling point. Like, uh, we'll mm-hmm. take The Hangover as an example. Like, I had heard a little bit of Zach Galifianakis 
And I remember Bradley Cooper from uh, Wedding Crashers and Ed Helms was obviously in the office. So I'm like, okay, this may have the potential to be good if you just read the hangover, the quick synopsis of it. But then the trailer just yeah. fucking knocked it out of the park. Like, okay, this right. is going to be a good movie. So yeah, I mean, like the trailer and the premise kind of sell me more than who's in it. But I mean, I have to yeah. recognize the people that are in it. Like, I just couldn't go in like... I'm trying to think of that uh, comedian Aquafina. She was in the Ocean oh, yeah. Eight remake, and she was in uh, Shang Chi. Now, mm-hmm. I had never heard of her before. Uh, the Ocean's Eight movie, but I think she's hysterical. Yeah. Like if she, oh yeah, she's funny. If she was given a, uh, like, hey, we're gonna give you twenty five million dollars to make a movie. Like, okay, I would be intrigued by that potential just like okay i want to see what she does with 20 million dollars right yeah but just seeing her in, in the films that she was in and and getting to know the the character like the character she plays yeah but prior oceans eight has. if they put her in a movie yeah. like i don't care yeah you go girl get your money but like you're probably not gonna get my ten dollars or whatever <laughs> yeah well, what about you <laughs> like what makes a good comedy for you I think the trailer is the biggest selling point for me. I know like the premise uh, has to be kind of good, but um, yeah, I'm kind of flip-flopped on that. I think the trailer has to be really good um, because you have to know that it's funny before I go and see it. Mm -hmm. Um, A good example, uh, I guess because I knew who was in it too, uh, Renfield uh, with Nick Cage. I was like, oh, it's a Nick Cage movie. I gotta go see this. But the uh the trailer uh made it really funny for me i was like okay yeah the jokes that they're pulling off in this trailer the dark humor that's in it and the fact that nick cage is in it i must see this movie so um really knowing who's in it um kind of sells it um the premise kind of sells it but the trailer is what knocks it out of the park i think yeah you know that's another one that like i don't know if it was just like the particular mood i was in but i just couldn't get into renfield i don't think i even finished it Oh man, the the ending is the best part. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe I'll revisit it down the road. Okay, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, just l- this year alone, two thousand and four. There's a couple of like really prominent comedies that uh, come out this year, and uh, I think uh, one of them we'll definitely be doing this year. Okay, and, and it smells of rich mahogany. That's a hint. <laughs> to all you guys and gals out there, um. Hey, you ready to knock out some of these categories? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Dodgeball. Is it dodgeball or is it dodgeball a true underdog story? Because it has like the the secondary title with it. I've always called it dodgeball. It's it's dodgeball. The secondary title is there, um, but it's just a secondary title. All right. Well, it's dodgeball for those of you that uh, have to have everything perfect dodgeball true underdog story was released on june 18th 2004 this stars vince vaughn ben stiller christina taylor stephen root justin long alan tudyk gary cole jason bateman and rip torn man that is a fucking loaded cast oh man uh when i was watching it i forgot half the people that were in it were in it it was so good yeah i think this is right before we got the uh 
the Jason Bateman renaissance. Like, I know he hadn't been really in much. Was this, was this arrested development around this time or had it already been taken off? I think it might've been going on. Well, I'm just going to look it up here real quick. Okay. But yeah, the cast was super stellar. Um, I'd forgotten that, uh, uh, there were, Hank Azaria was one of the ones until like I watched. I was like, oh yeah, Hank Azaria is in this because I remembered Rip Torn, but then you know younger Patches O'Houlihan was Hank Azaria. No, just uh, he's one of my favorite actors. Just yeah, so funny. Um, Arrested Development started in November of two thousand and three, so this is probably the beginning of the uh, the revival of Jason Bateman's career. Okay, so yeah, we got and man he. He knocks it out of the park in this too. Oh yeah, uh, we'll we'll be talking about him in a little bit. Um, this was directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of seventy one percent from critics and seventy six percent from audiences. The consensus from critics was Dodgeball is a proudly profane and splendidly silly. Okay, thanks a lot, Rotten Tomatoes, for cutting the rest of that off. Uh, Dodgeball is a worthy spiritual successor to the goofball comedies of the 1980s, which I'd agree with that. It kind of has an 80s vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, Budget of $20 million. This movie grossed $168 million. Oh, wow. So it was a big. I'd say that's a mild success. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big hit uh, that summer. Uh, Didn't qualify or wasn't nominated for any awards. And you can currently stream this on Hulu and AMC plus AMC plus making a rare appearance on the old show. And yeah, Hulu been coming through time in a row. I think, I I think so. Yeah. Hulu early front runner for the couch potato podcast streamer of the year. And uh, also potential uh, sponsor if they so choose. Ah, Disney owns that. They ain't, they ain't fucking. <laughs> they're not. They're not even sniffing this show. <laughs> so sorry. We'll, we'll we'll stick to begging these restaurants to sponsor a <laughs> category. <laughs> All right. The did you know portion of the show. This is where we give you guys and gals some little fun facts and tidbits on the behind the scenes production. Uh little dirt if there's any or just some little fun uh, tidbits and facts uh, I guess apparently most Hollywood studios passed on this movie and it wasn't until Ben Stiller agreed to a salary of under a million dollars that Fox agreed to greenlight this picture man must not have been popular among the uh, execs at studios well I think it has to do with it goes back to the premise I mean okay like a dodgeball movie yeah. Are you and, sure about this? You know, honestly, the this is around that time though where like these this might have been like the uh the the renaissance for like, hey, we can make a good movie out of any premise. Cause I remember reading like they're making a fucking Facebook movie. That movie's gonna suck. And it turns out the social network is probably one of the best movies of the decade. Yeah. So shows you how much I know. Uh, I guess adult dodgeball leagues began to spring up across the country around the time of this movie's release. Cast member Gary Cole was even invited to a tournament in Chicago. I had no idea. 
I guess, according to the director, Marshall Thurber, Rawson Marshall Thurber. I do apologize if you're listening, Mr. Thurber. Uh, in his director's commentary on the DVD, he wrote the roles of Peter LaFleur, White Goodman, and Justin. IMDb's really shit in the bed because Justin Long's character is not named Justin. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, he's Justin in the movie. Okay, he's probably like, I, I like Justin Long, but he's probably like my least favorite character. Amongst yeah, he's his... my least favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. I was more of He's a kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he wrote I those. Like Steve the Pirate. Yeah. Steve the Pirate and Gordon were my, my dudes. Um, he wrote them, those roles for uh, Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, and Justin Long in mine. Okay. And I guess uh, Justin Long specifically because uh, he really enjoyed him in Galaxy Quest. Really? Yeah. He's in the, my least favorite character in that movie, too. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good in Galaxy Quest. We should do that movie this year too, because it's actually oh, yeah. uh, celebrating an anniversary. And it's a really good cult classic. It, it's one of those uh, ones that falls into the cult classic category. All right. Well, stay tuned, guys and gals. If you're a fan of Galaxy Quest, I have a pretty good feeling it's coming this year. I feel good about it. Yeah. I love Galaxy Quest. That was another movie that, like, oh, this movie's going to be kind of dumb. And then I watched it. <laughs> like, this movie fucking rocks. It does. I remember at this time I worked at a video store and there were certain movies that we didn't get a lot of copies of to rent. So if it's something I really liked, I would keep it behind the counter and play it on the TVs. And I would tell people it was a screener copy so I couldn't rent it out to them. I I would tell people that like, I can't rent this to you legally or else I could get fined or fired. Even though you could probably rent it out and it'd be fine. Yeah. But, you know. Well, I mean, it was just, it was a standard rental copy, you know, that we were renting out to everybody. Just, I didn't want to give it up. Like, fuck, I'll watch Galaxy Quest in here today. You don't want to watch a movie you hate all day. So it's all right. Um, I didn't, I forgot all about this actually that Ben Stiller and Christina Taylor were married, or they still are married, oh, yeah. actually. Uh, they had an 18 month old baby at home while shooting this movie. I guess Taylor was so exhausted that she, dozed off in between takes. Huh, I would be too. Yeah. I, I remember what it was like when they were that young. Parenting's and, hard. Yeah. The movie refers to the then fictional ESPN eight, the Ocho as a means to lampoon the channel's multiple outlets. The Ocho is a tongue in cheek reference to a nickname formerly used by ESPN, the deuce, which I do remember mm-hmm. when they used to call ESPN to that. Yeah. Which uh, Chris Jericho, the professional wrestler, uh, brought the Ocho back there for a little while last year. He was referring to himself as an eight-time world champion, so he called himself the Ocho. I didn't be named after Poop. (laughs) (laughs) I found this uh, little tidbit to be very fascinating. According to Rotten Tomatoes, this is one of Helen Mirren's favorite movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would have never I mean, guessed in a million years that Helen Mirren would be a fan of dodgeball. She has good taste in, in comedies, I guess. <laughs> she does. I always like Helen Mirren because she uh, used the phrase, uh, 
tits over tails at the uh, Oscars when she almost fell. I think it was the Oscars where she almost <laughs> fell, and during her speech, said she almost went tits over tails. I was like, "All oh, you, you British folk with your charming humor." Uh, um, David Hasselhoff, who also has a cameo in this movie besides Hank Azaria, uh, is a reference. Uh, his role as the German team coach is a nod to his mysterious popularity in Germany. He He's super popular singer over there. Yeah. Sells a lot of CDs. Uh, for those of you that watch Saturday Night Live, you already know that David Hasselhoff is popular in Germany because that was a running gag that Norm MacDonald always said, like, and Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I love him, Norm MacDonald. God rest his soul. He actually has a cameo. Like, it's a blink or you'll miss it cameo, but he's apparently in the crowd hitting on a woman oh, in the stands. He? Yeah. Okay. I didn't think that it would uh, really, like, warrant putting it in the notes. But then since he got mm-hmm. brought up, might as well just go ahead and bring it up anyways. Yeah. It's just like blank and you'll miss it. Okay. Uh, last one I have is uh, Al Kaplan, the actor who plays the tournament referee, was the referee for American Gladiators. Oh. I did not know that. Neither did I. I mean, I never. you never really paid attention to the referee in American Gladiators anyways. I didn't even know they had one. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I, I have a uh, a kind of goofy slash serious question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's any professional dodgeball anywhere, at least that I know of. Um, that's kind of what, one of the running gags of this movie. But there's no referee that just yells dodgeball to start a, a dodgeball game, is there? <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. There's no point of reference. Yeah. I just, it's like he kind of does a karate chop, cuts the floor in half, and, and says dodgeball. Like, okay, that's that's got to be it, right? Well, it's because we don't have ESPN eight, the Ocho, that would show us professional dodgeball, or the American Dodgeball Association of America. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed this. I never paid attention to it until I watched it the other day. But they're in the graphic for ESPN eight, the Ocho, when they were showing all like all the obscure sports. Did you notice some of the stuff that was playing in those little like that little video? Uh, they no. had a, the two that stood out to me is there was a squirrel jet skiing, and then at the end there were just <laughs> there were two dudes just beating the shit out of each other with belts. That was it. Oh, I want to see that sport. Yeah, there was a couple of uh, other ones in there that didn't really make me laugh. But then, like, I turned around, looked at my wife. I said, Is, "Are them dudes beating the shit out of each other?" Belts. So I had to rewind it, and like, yep, sure enough, they're just fucking wailing on each other. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that now. Oh, you should. But yeah, see, we need we need something like the Ocho or was that Obscure Sports Quarterly. They need to have yeah. their own streaming service where they show us stuff like they this. They do. It's like uh, every everybody likes to watch those Japanese game shows because they're so hilarious and and very like out of the ordinary. They need to have sports like that here in America. I want to know what some I, I want to know what that sport is called where they're beat the shit out of each other. Belts. 
Because, <laughs> yeah, they're just fucking, like, I'll see if I can find it. I'll send it to you after we're done. But, yeah, I, I, I fucking lost it when I seen that. <laughs> Um, the Martin Scorsese, this is cinema award for the best scene of the movie. I mean, honestly, it could have been the fucking Ocho, uh, crawl. I mean, that made me laugh harder than anything else in the movie when I watched it the other day, but, uh, this was pretty tough. Um, there was a lot to really choose from. Like I really dug the scene when white goes to Christina Taylor's uh, character's house. And then like basically tells her that he got her fired so they could start dating. Yeah. That scene was pretty cool. Cause it gives, gives you the, you don't make me bleed my own blood. Line. Bleed my own blood. Yeah. That's one of the, one of my, uh, one of my lines uh, um, that I'm contending for the best line, but we'll find that out later. Um, I do. It makes me laugh because it's so fucking absurd. I do like the uh, the ending, the face off between Peter and White, where they have to. It's the sudden death dodgeball scene, just because of how yeah. like weird it is that that's how you decide a fucking a tie in dodgeball. And I also noticed for the first time how dirty Patch's scarf is that he gives to Peter. I think yeah. it's fucking grimy. Yeah. It is, and he puts it on his face. Yeah, it's seriously it like somebody's skeet rag. I, I uh, um, I really like the fact that Patches just goes bye bye, yeah, and then just fades off. Um, I think for me though, my favorite scene in the movie is the, basically it's Patches' first day as the coach, and of course he says, "If you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. You can dodge a ball." And then he starts mm-hmm. launching the fucking wrenches at Justin Long, and then it leads into that whole fucking training montage where it shows them like having to dodge traffic and all that that scene still cracks me up i knew you were going to pick the montage scene because it was a montage scene (laughs) well it's more of the uh the the scene before that but it leads into the montage sequence just the whole scene where like it basically ends with him getting like fucking nailed with the wrench yeah that always cracks me up I just figured uh, you're a sucker for montages. I so do love a good montage. Gonna... <laughs> Not a great one though, because it doesn't have like that inspirational music in it. Right, but it does have people getting hit by cars, so and people getting hit by wrenches, and that's a fair point. Yeah. Well, what do you got? Um, well, I think my favorite scene uh, is also. Um, the Patches O'Houlihan scene um, where he begins to be the coach. I really, really liked the training video, though, just because, uh, again, I I love Hank Azaria. <laughs> How well, he's like, say this, sport? <laughs> <laughs> the surefire way to win is get the strong, strong kids on your team. <laughs> Leave the wimpy kids like this guy out of there, and then they help him with the ball. If you ever played dodgeball in school, that's always how it turned out. Even the gym teacher at my elementary school would divide the teams up like that too. She'd always put like all the really good kids on one side and like the sickly kids on the other. The sickly are like the super like let me re- try to say this in not a mean way. The non-athletic kids would be yeah. on the other team. <laughs> so it would just be pure domination. There was one point at my school where uh, the uh, teacher would um, 
separate the boys and the girls because the girls were afraid of getting hit by a ball thrown by a guy because like it would smack the uh the mat on the side of the wall and just reverberate really loud when a when a guy would throw it versus like the girls just like you know eh. and but i leave that little indentation there that would slowly like pop back out yeah yeah exactly um there was one girl that was like really ruthless though so i kind of felt bad for them when when we got separated guys and and girls because i feel i feel like it was more even when it was just integrated mm. i tell you what though, if kate were on the other side like i would not want to get hit with that oh no not at all she had a she had a nice delivery it looked like she uh she could spin it too to where like it kind of curved and hit people yeah so you're going with the uh the dodgeball training I'm video I'm going with the dodgeball training video just because uh, I like Hank Azaria and just it's I, I forgot about it after all these years and after watching it, it's just like, man, that was delightful. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally cool going with that because it like with some of these comedies, especially this era, like they basically they do them like the the plot is extremely like paper thin, but basically yeah. the plot just takes you to get to the next gag. So you don't mm-hmm. really give a sh- too much about like a shit about like some of the other stuff's going on, but yeah, like the, the training video is pretty good too. Yeah. Just because like, I think what makes that one so funny is the fact that Hank Azaria has a very thick Northern. I don't know if that's like a Boston, New Hampshire, New York style accent. Yeah. And then, Rip Torn's patches of Hooli hand sounds nothing like that. So like, <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't even try to match the accent. He just he he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's just he's done. He's done with life. He's done with his accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally cool giving it to that because that scene does crack you up. Yeah, yeah, totally cool. Okay, we'll give that to the the training montage or the the training video. Yeah. The five rules of dodgeball: dip, duck, dive, dodge, and I forget the other one. Uh, it's dodge. Is it? It's he dodge. Says dodge twice. Yeah, dodge, dip, dodge, dive. dip, duck, dive, and dodge. Yep. Yeah. And he he kind of pauses on that last one because he's like he's counting in his head. It's like, oh shit, I already said dodge. Yeah. And he's just like mm, dodge. So like me. <laughs> So I had to pause too. And I just watched the fucking thing two days ago. The Andy Dufresne get busy living or get busy dying award for the best or most quotable line of the movie. I I'm going to go on record as saying this could be a contender for like one of the toughest, the toughest ones yet to decide. Oh man. I thought, I thought I, I thought I had you, you uh, guessed for what your favorite line is. Cause you say it all the time. But I don't know. Maybe it's not your favorite line. Well, I think the most quotable line from this movie is probably like it's either uh, if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball or dodge a ball or, you know, no one makes me bleed my own blood, which I love the nod to the Simpsons on that. Yeah, I like uh, I like both of those lines. Those are really funny. Um, I have a couple of uh, honorable mentions, though. I think for me. My favorite line of the whole movie, and it <laughs> cracks me up every fucking time I, he delivers it, is when Peter's questioning his 
coaching tactics. And he goes, is that really necessary? He goes, necessary. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, but I do it anyways because it's sterile. I like the taste. <laughs> I don't know if it's the the line itself or if you look at Rip Taylor or Rip Taylor, Rip Torn. I've always made that gaffe, by the way. I've always called Rip Torn, Rip Taylor, Rip Taylor, Rip Torn. <laughs> but Rip Torn also, like, I could almost buy him drinking his own piss. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just, <laughs> he's that. I, I don't know if it was the the roles that he played uh, as he got older, but they just seem more and more crazy. And it's like, is he actually just playing himself? Well, Rip Torn, uh, he plays the producer on one of my favorite HBO shows of all time, the Larry Sanders show. He's mm-hmm. really good in that. I think he got multiple like Emmy nominations for that role too. But then, like, I know he got busted for DUI, and he got uh, there's a really uh, embarrassing like police video of him so i think that kind of like this that was pre i think it's pre dodgeball Mm -hmm. so yeah you kind of believe like okay like yeah i can totally see him drinking his own piss now yeah (laughs) was that the one you think i was thought i was gonna go with no i was gonna say fna cotton fna that was a that was one that was uh strongly considered but I, I like the, I like the the drink your like, drink my piss because it's sterile. One a little yeah. better. It's not I, taking uh, anything away from the F and A cotton F and A. Like I, that's not yeah. leaving my, my vernacular anytime soon. I, <laughs> I have a rolodex of uh, certain phrases I use when I get excited or I'm very agreeable to something, and that one's staying in there. It's giddy up and F and A cotton. FNA. I uh I love every line that Jason Bateman says in this movie. It's just like um uh apparently they they had shot uh their scenes all in one day too. The camera they weren't watching anything. The cameras were just pointed at them and they did their thing. Mm-hmm. And uh uh just every single line that he says like when uh when he puts on the blindfold and he's like, "You know, Cotton, he's not going to be able to see very well." And like, yeah, we know. <laughs> um, but uh, my honorable mention, or uh, I guess my favorite line that always makes me laugh is like, "You're about as useless as a cock flavored lollipop." <laughs> was it a cock? Was it a poop flavored lollipop? Wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was cock flavored lollipop. <laughs> Well, neither one of those sound to have like have no use at all. But I'm going to IMDb real quick. I swear he says poop to the to the judges. Oh, this, this was during the uh, the training montage. Okay, he goes, oh, "Holy hell, son! You're about as useful as a cock flavored lollipop." Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I thought it says poop. Yep. <laughs> well, that's even better. <laughs> Patches O'Houlihan, a hilarious character, but one that has not aged well. Right, no, he really hasn't. There's a couple of lines that I, I kind of laughed at that I'm I'm ashamed about. It's it's just the time. It's just the era. It's just like that's I mean, it, it doesn't make it any more acceptable, but it's just like no. 
society kind of accepted that more during this time. So, yeah. But yeah, I I I can't I can't argue with any of them. There's so many great lines. I think you you could have drawn anything out of a hat, mm-hmm. and it would have been perfectly fine as a winner. So we're just gonna call it a tie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the uh, Paul Walker Award. I don't think we can really do since this is a comedy, so it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. So uh, the uh, McLovin. Strongest field we've had in quite a long time for this award. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of people. I Hank is area. Mm-hmm. Does a lot with his uh, bit of screen time. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I think it boils down to Rip Torn as Patches of Hulahan, the older one, or Gary mm-hmm. Cole and Jason Bateman as Cotton and Pepper. You know, I'm gonna go with Cole and Bateman on this one. As as funny as Rip Torn is, um, I just uh, I don't know, man. No, because now I'm thinking Rip Torn's fun, uh, funnier. I don't know. I can't. Hmm. I think all three are great. Kind of. Yeah, I'm gonna lean a little bit towards Bateman and Cole. Simply because they take this fucking gig as dodgeball commentators, like they're fucking calling the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah. And I I love the opening line <laughs> to the tournament when they're introducing the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. and like Gary Cole makes that line like, "Where you get a happy ending, you just gotta pay a little extra." <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they. He, he, uh, Cole says something about a menage a trois and he's like, yeah, you got to pay double for that kind of action. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm inclined to give it to them. Gary Cole is never bad at anything. And mm-hmm. he's kind of, he had that resurgence where he's kind of like a bit player in these late two, like these early 2000, late 2000 era comedies. Cause uh, he had this, he had, he was Ricky Bobby's dad in oh, yeah. uh, Talladega nights. He was the villain in Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. which th- that scene where he uh, they throw the joint down and they take off after they see him kill that guy in his apartment and he picks it up, takes a yeah. one puff off of it. He goes, that's Pineapple Express, like just deadpan fucking serious. <laughs> Gets married time. And then Bateman. Bateman's just fantastic. I'm glad that he's kind of become rel like this was the point of his career where he becomes relevant again and now like he's pretty much money when it comes to like a, a comedic actor if you want to cast him yeah. some, although fantastic in ozark oh yeah yeah non-comedy role so yeah i'm gonna give it to them but okay rip torn like amazing as well i don't think this uh movie works quite as well without him in it because when you see Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller at the top of your marquee, you're expecting Vince Vaughn to bring a lot of the comedy as well, but he kind of plays the straight man. Yeah. And he lets everybody else do a little bit of the cooking in it, which is kind of cool. So, but uh, the the banter between the two of them is really great playing yeah. the Yoda character. But yeah, I'm going to give it to Colin Bateman. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Riptorn is uh, hamming that up as well. He He's dialing it to 11 just like they are, but um, you kind of expect that from Riptorn at this point. Uh, I think that uh, Gary Cole and Jason Bateman are a little bit more surprising in their role for this. This is like trying to be an Academy Award voter and you're trying to decide who to vote for for best picture between There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Except we're we're deciding on uh, comedic actors from Dodge, a movie about dodgeball, <laughs> right? So yeah, like Gary Cole and Jason Bateman would be no country for old men, and then Rip Torn's there will be blood, both fantastic, and yeah, it's really hard to pick a winner when they 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 both win, you know? They do. The IMDb Drug Dealer Number Two Award for the actor actress you've seen in a movie, but you don't know who they are. I nominated Joel David Moore. He plays Owen. Okay. I recognized him in some stuff before, so I had to do a little bit of digging on the uh, IMDb page, and he's in the Avatar movies. Oh, okay. And he looks right. like he kind of looks like. He's the only Navi, like the Avatar, that looks ex- like, mm-hmm. like you know how like you could take like the you could turn yourself into a Simpsons character, yeah, and it looks kind of yeah. like you. Now Sam yeah. Worthington looks nothing like his Navi Avatar looks nothing like the actual human, but uh, Moore's Avatar looks exactly like him if he were a Navi. They were, they just spent a little bit extra time on him for some reason. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're kind of gangly. I think we can work with this. You got the features. So I'm nominating him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're just going to paint your face blue. And I guess apparently, too, he was in Bones uh, for most of its run. The the Fox show. So I'm nominating him because I've never, like, I know I'd seen him in something. I didn't know who he was. And I didn't know that was his name. I almost confused him with... uh, Ewan Bremer, that Scottish actor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they kind of they kind of look similar. But yeah, that's um, who I nominated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Um, I couldn't really come up with a, a better candidate for this. Um, because uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, there's a lot of recognizable faces in this, especially with the stellar cast I got, but. Um, Gordon's character, uh, 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 Gordon, um, Stephen Root, um, he's kind of, um, you know, oh yeah, he, he, that guy, he, he looks familiar. Um, well, I think but, most people know Stephen Root as Stephen Root. I mean, he was in office space. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The can't even, ah, man, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed on this podcast. I forgot about office space. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh that's a party foul, my friend. That's like spill like that's like dropping the keg and like it explodes. It, man. It's unusable now. Office space is so good. Yeah. So I'm I'm good with giving it to to him. Well, that was um, the problem because, with this movie and this award is the fact it's either people that you know or it's mm-hmm. like people you don't. Like uh Owen's buddy. Uh yeah. I I've never seen him in anything. Um, maybe Alan Tudyk, but like everyone knows Alan Tudyk, most people should from Firefly yeah. and other things too. So, uh, mm-hmm. 
he would have been maybe, but like it's it's fucking Alan Tudyk. He's the Firefly for crying out loud. Yeah. So, um, I couldn't really think of anybody else either. But like, I seen him. Like, yeah, I've seen him in something. And then mm-hmm. he's a real life Navi. I agree. I think we should give it to him for sure. So I have to look at his name again. Joel David Moore, congratulations. You are the second winner of the IMDb Drug Dealer Number 2 Award. Or the actor or actress. You've seen him some stuff, but you don't know their name. So congratulations. We will send you a $5 Arby's gift card in the mail. Just make sure you email us your address. If you listen. And uh, we can also make Arby's our hot off the skillet take uh, <laughs> sponsor for this movie. Well, I'll, I'll read it off when we get to the, we'll, we'll try it, see if it works. Okay. It would have been a perfect week to, well, we'll get into the, that category in a minute. <laughs> uh, unsolved mysteries of the movie. And I was thinking about this today. Like, I really wish Robert Stack were alive because I would totally do, I would pay a cameo fee to get him to read that. Oh man, that would be great. And have that music, that creepy Unsolved Mysteries (laughs) music play in the background. Yeah. When I was a kid, Robert Stack, him reading that fucking, that phone number, I think I still remember it. I think it was 1-800-876-5353. Oh man, that's so if, that's good memory. So if anyone calls that, it listens to this, calls that number, let me know. Our show email is in the description. Let us know if that number still works because I'm kind of curious myself. We can we can call in and give them all these uh, answers to the unsolved mysteries that we solve on the podcast, or we could just say like. <laughs> We could just research like a case that they had on there, which I'm sure has been solved. And like, hey, yeah. I got I got a tip on the the Green River Killer. <laughs> uh, so sorry, sir, that's already been solved. But I have a tip. The unsolved mysteries. I bet they haven't checked that. They fucking answer machine in like twenty years at least. Man, could you imagine? It's pro- you know. The they have to have uh, the cassette tapes for uh, an answering machine that old, so it's probably full. I'm willing to bet now if you call that phone number, it's probably I'm going to guess like a telemarketing service or it's like a tire place. Man, that would be disappointing. It would. Like, uh, no, I'm here. I got a tip on these fucking aliens that were reported on an unsolved mysteries episode from 1989. I seen it on lifetime. No, I don't. I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in white walls. I just need to tell you that I seen the aliens. I got a tip for you. I, uh, I saw your host, uh, decking a whole bunch of hippies inside of an airport. Yeah. Report it. Tell tell Bob Stack. <laughs> All right. Bob Stack was the one back in the hippies. <laughs> Dirty hippies. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, the I only unsolved mystery I had is at the end of the movie, they kind of show you where everybody's at. You know, uh, Peter's with uh, Christina Taylor's character. Uh, Average Joe's Jim is thriving since he invested uh, his uh, gambling winnings into the gym. Justin Long <laughs> knocked up the cheerleader that he had the crush on. Uh, everyone's happy, but you never see Gordon in that. That's true. So did Gordon kick his wife to the curb? I'm willing I mean, to bet he that he did. Right? Yeah. He got the he got the kids. He kicked his wife to the curb and he probably is living in some mansion somewhere because he got part of those winnings and Yeah. Yeah, that was his best life. That was the only mystery that I, I couldn't figure out what happened. Like, why isn't he in the, the final shot? I mean, he really liked average shows too. He, you'd think he'd just be there working out. Uh-huh. Yeah, something. and I mean, Gordon practically won a match by himself, so I would have featured him in the commercial too. Oh yeah, like he was the reason they actually made it to the finals. Yeah, I mean, fucking Steve the Pirate didn't do shit. He's in the ad. Yeah, except he, being he cool. Left. He cool. wasn't even. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, I'm not a pirate. I'm going to go be sad during the final. And then he comes back afterwards like, oh, yeah, we won. I'm a pirate again. Well, I just took that trigger where that gar. <laughs> like, who am I going to split all this buried treasure with? He's, you know. Yeah. And it had to be in a chest. Because, you know, it's buried treasure. Of course. But, yeah, that did you have any any questions yeah. that went unanswered? Yes. Um, why is Steve the pirate a pirate? What makes him a pirate? And and like all it took was um, Vince Vaughn telling him you're not a pirate for him to change. I mean, I guess the the guys threw the the drink at him or the food or whatever it was. Yeah, right. I mean, it took. I think the the drink and Peter that combination. Like, okay, like I'm a fucking grown man. What am I doing here? Yeah. So why was why was he a pirate in the first place? That's my unsolved mystery. It's like, what what drives a, a man to be a pirate and hang out at a gym in the middle of the day? Had Pirates of the Caribbean come out yet? Uh, two thousand four. Yeah, I think so. All right, because we just did our Pirates of the Caribbean podcast, uh, and it it celebrated an anniversary of of a sort. Yeah, and you can listen to the episode on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast too. Cheap plug of the show. Uh, yes, actually, two thousand and three was the Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay, so he's he's just banking on the success of Captain Jack Sparrow. He's probably just trying to get the ladies, right? I would think because I, I I do remember that there was a after this movie came out and became a big hit, there was a pirate craze where people were starting to act as pirates. I mean, it had a little, had a little bit of a run. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, or there's some kind of deep rooted, like childhood shit he's working through. And the only way he can function as an adult mm-hmm. is to become a pirate. And Peter may have <laughs> accidentally, like triggered something to where like he's going to bring up all these rep- repressed memories. I mean, we don't know yeah. if Steve the pirate was locked in a fucking closet for like 13 years. We don't know that. He could be the next um uh 
what is what what do they call it? He could be the me- the next beast from Split. Yeah, we just don't know. He could. I mean, like Peter may have just opened up Pandora's box. And the Dodge only way to yeah, the reckoning. <laughs> yeah, like you know, which they are talking about doing a sequel to this, and maybe that's the point of the sequel. Like Steve the Pirate, they fucked him up when they they snapped him out of that pirate thing. Now he's a fucking serial killer roaming through Vegas. Hitting people with dodgeballs. Yeah, that, that he's leaving. He's leaving a dodgeball at the scene of the crime. <laughs> Steve the pirate struck again. And it's the premise of it's basically like Peter is partnered with a grizzled like homicide detective, which I'm willing <laughs> to bet's probably played by Morgan Freeman. Okay. Uh well, no, not Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's already done that. Somebody older, but well, not we can just, not quite as old as Morgan Freeman. We can just make it. It's Gordon. Gordon decided to become an officer after he left his wife. And yeah, I kicked that hussy <laughs> to the curb, and I devoted my life to law enforcement. So I'm guessing it's either he's taken advantage of the pirate craze created by Pirates of the Caribbean, or He's using that pirate to hold off all these repressed feelings. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a there's a character story there that needs to be explored. Yeah. I'm bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> ten a, ten episode Netflix series, Steve the Pirate, a dodgeball <laughs> story. Yeah, if this were Disney, uh I mean I guess it it is Fox, isn't it? Yeah. What? Yeah. So technically, it is Disney now. They're they're gonna do a Disney Plus TV sh- show about Steve the Pirate. <laughs> well, if it's Disney doing it, then it's probably Steve the Pirate is probably like one of those like child uh, fantasy stories where like he's the resurrected spirit of his his great 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 uncle who was this swashbuckling pirate back in like you know those days and he's coming back to like right the wrongs so he can like his spirit can like move on to the afterlife or something silly like that. They're they're, uh His uncle is actually uh Blackbeard, and, and they're going to weave it into um, the sixties uh, movie, uh, Disney's Blackbeard's ghost so that it be- can become a franchise like Disney likes to do. <laughs> I think we're on to something, Disney. You're listening. Adam and I are open for business. <laughs> we're making dodgeball a franchise with pirates. Yeah, give us a call or contact us via email, which you can find in the show description. Let's talk. <laughs> I'll work for the mouse. Yeah, I mean, I would work for the mouse too. They got. They got lots of uh, lots of incentive in the form of dollars. I think when I put this show out on Twitter, when I say, hey, new episode available now, I think I'm going to tag Bob Iger in it. Good idea. It's like, Bob, see it. <laughs> listen, <laughs> I know things are tough at the House of the Mouse right now. Marvel, not, not as profitable. 
Might be a dying franchise. Star Wars is a little ways off. Don't have anything new yep. in the pipeline. Pixar kind of been shit in the bed lately. Let Adam and I take those old live action 60s movies and just spruce them up a bit. We'll cross pollinate yep. them with some of your Fox titles. With 20 year old dodgeball movies. We will take the Darby O'Gill movie and cross pollinate it with Leprechaun in the hood. I love it. Blackbeard's Ghost and Dodgeball. What was that Kurt Russell movie yeah. where he wore the the red shoes? No, uh, the computer that wore tennis shoes. Yeah. And yeah. Terminator 2. <laughs> yes, stop. Yes, stop judgment. <laughs> See, the this ugly is... docs and, and Cujo. All right, let's rein it in, man. This show's gone off the rails. This is what happens when I don't fucking sleep. Uh, the most 2000 more, 2004 moment of the movie, uh, I think for me, it's when the video store is calling to let him know that his porno tapes are overdue. Um, yeah. I know this all too well. I used to work at a video store. Uh, we never actually rattled off the names of the titles. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, there were a couple of times where the, if it was a customer that I recognized and he was kind of a dick, I would totally do it. Yeah. Like, uh, Mr. Smith, you, your copy of three poles for two holes is like seven days overdue. Uh, you know, like, you know, Bimbo nurses seven. Five days overdue. You know, you need to bring those back. But I think that's the most 2004 moment of the movie because now, like, people don't go to the video store to rent porn. I can just fucking type in Pornhub on your computer. Hopefully in incognito mode. So you don't have your kids, like, you know, to try to type in, like, you know, pull Paris. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, next thing you know, like, <laughs> They've opened up a whole nother world of stuff that they don't need to know about. Learning some valuable life lessons here on the Couch Potato Podcast. Yeah. If there's anything that you take from today's episode, search for porno. Just use it incognito mode. See Disney, we're family friendly. Yeah, see, we're family friendly. Bob. Bob, we're a friendly show. We're looking out for the kids. Encouraging parents, if you're going to travel down the the path less traveled, yeah. hide it. Just hidden mode. Yep. Keep it away from the kids. Private. Private. Incognito. Stealth. Those of you that are using like sorted web browsers. Um, the only other thing that I had was uh, I noticed the vitamin water in uh white's office and i know vitamin water was like really big for like a hot minute yeah i think uh then like now come to find out it's really no better for you than fucking pepsi or coke but yeah it's it's got a lot of sugar in it but uh i would say probably the video store calling peter about his overdue porn simply because like yeah Video stores are not a thing anymore, and neither is 
physical porno media. Yeah. Did you have anything? I, I, I'm trying to think of one just like off the cuff here because I didn't really have one prepared. Um, couldn't really think of anything, although yours is excellent. Um, uh, you know, maybe just the color in Chuck Norris's hair. It's it's still there. That's the most 2004 mo. <laughs> yeah, I was also I was thinking too for a minute the uh, the numerous ESPN networks because uh, around this oh, time yeah. ESPN had ESPN ESPN two, they had ESPN News and they had ESPN Classic. So that was four right off the bat. I think that was it because then like I know. They added a couple others later on, like they have the SEC network and stuff. But yeah, I think they had four at the point oh, yeah. of this movie. So that also could have now been a thing. ESPN 8, the Ocho. ESPN 9 and Knuckles. <laughs> the uh, We're going with Arby's on this one, right? Yes, Arby's. Arby's, the hot off the skillet takes for the hottest take regarding this movie. Arby's, we have the meats. Right now, I'm sure you can do the two for seven Arby melts or the beef and cheddar sandwiches. Get two of these delectable bad boys, pair them up with some Mott sticks or some curly fries. Get you a Jamocha milkshake for the ride home. I believe they call that... You pair two of those. Uh, they say that there's a a beef and cheddar sandwich for everybody. Some people even get lucky, and there's two beef and cheddar sandwiches. That's called the jackpot. I like. I like see, it. See where I, I see where I went there. <laughs> yeah. a little, little dodgeball I, reference in the the read. I, yep. Uh, but yeah, Arby's. They've got the meats. Hit them up right now. Listen to this episode. Then head over to Arby's. Get your beef and cheddar fix. Um, I didn't really have anything. Uh, I mean, I would say, I don't know if this is a hot take, but, uh, the more I episodes, I do of these, the more I find that I, for me personally, I'm starting to feel that that 2000, the 2009, that late nineties, early two thousands run of comedies is probably, I think the best era for comedy and film. You know, I and I think the only uh, competing era would be in the eighties. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had a a lot of good comedies come out of there. Um, there was a few in the seventies too, but um, yeah, there wasn't any amazing one. And 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 you know what? I'm gonna say this, and somebody's gonna correct me. I, I know somebody will correct me, but I don't think there was any super amazing ones in the nineties. I don't uh, think Dumb and Dumber. Oh, there you go. Yeah, That's, actually, no Dumb and Dumber run. and Ace Ventura. Can can you can you list me a run of movies in the nineties though? Uh, See, there's there's a few that you can list on maybe like one hand, but maybe not an, an entire run like the the early 2000s to the 2010s. Are we are we looking it up now just to see? Yeah, well, you know what? I haven't had much sleep the last couple nights, so like, 
Um, well, Office Space, yeah, that was 99. Yeah. Tommy Boy, Wayne's World, The Big Lebowski, Groundhog Day, There's Something About Mary. These are shows we fucking done on this show. I can't. Mrs. Doubtfire, My Cousin Vinny, Clerks, The Water Boy, Friday, Kingpin, The Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore, Austin Powers, and Austin Powers, you know, the gold member. I think we both need some sleep because that is a that is a knockout list. That's a murderer's <laughs> run. That's a good that's a good run. And for some reason they included my my blue heaven in that list. I think I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, that that doesn't need to be on the list. As a matter of fact, IMDB's list of best comedies of the nineties, my blue heaven's number one. Um, you know what, IMDB, you need to go home. I honestly I think home. we need to read Well, Here's here's the thing too. Oh, this is by this is a public list by oh. a, a user. They have My Blue Heaven, House Party. House Party's good. I like the original House Party, but it's not one of the top comedies of the nineties. No. And then they have um Jesus, this guy's got some shit on here. Opportunity Knocks is number seven on this dude's list. That movie, like, I love Dana Carvey. That movie fucking sucks. Men at Work. I dig that flick. I'll defend it till the day I die. He's got Dutch at number 12. All right, you go, whoever you are. But uh, I think for me, it's just, I seem to, when I go to look for a comedy, I seem to gravitate towards this era more than I do any other. So I don't know. Maybe it's just my those type of movies kind of cater to my specific taste. Whereas like yeah. 80s and 90s kind of have a more broader range, I think. Yeah, there's a lot more. Um, there's a different kind of comedy um, with those. Uh, I feel like the and and not to not to be derogatory towards the the movies of the early 2000s and 2010s, but like they're they're stupid comedy. In a way, no, they're, they're goofy. Just goofy comedy. Um, not necessarily like screwball, uh, goofy, like you know, a uh, little offensive, rat race, but yeah, offensive and kind of guttural humor sometimes. And it doesn't take a lot of uh, thinking to get the joke, mm-hmm. you know, it's just funny. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'll probably catch a little bit of shit for that comment, but I don't know, I like what I like. Yeah, I mean it's I I would agree with you. It had a really great run of uh of um movies and like I said, when it comes to my opinion, I think, you know, the 80s had a really good run and probably would rival it. But since we looked up the 90s, you know, they had a pretty good run too, but Yeah, I might I have to right on, I have to go on a 90s run here soon. <laughs> I think that uh I think you hit the nail on the head though with uh with the way these movies are. I think they're memorable. Mm-hmm. Um maybe just for uh you know, our grouping of generations here, uh it's they're more memorable movies to us. Yeah, I I think they're more in pop culture, they're more significant. Yeah. Because I mean, I honestly like I don't know now, my brother and I have like the dumb and dumber thing where like if one of us touches the other one, we've got like cold hands. My brother and I will always go like, Harry, your hands are freezing. <laughs> but yeah. outside of like maybe Lebowski, which is 99, so that's 
pretty much close to 2000. There's not yeah. a lot of those 90s comedies that are really quotable, whereas like in this era, it's like I know people still quote uh, tons of these films. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it could be just, it's just like with anything, like the older something gets, I guess the less culturally significant it gets. Yeah. Not to say that it's bad. I mean, like, no, yeah. Like culture all, shifts. Yeah, yeah. So, so, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll just go on an eighties and nineties or maybe I'll start fucking saying shit from the eighties movies again. Yeah, I mean, we could change our minds too. We could go back to the eighties and nineties and watch those and be like, you know what, we were wrong. But you know what, we're, we'll never admit it on the podcast. No, I'll never admit it. <laughs> I'll take it to my take it to my grave. Because this is the hot take section, and it's sponsored by Arby's, where you can get two mouth watering, savory beef and cheddar sandwiches for only seven dollars. You might not like the taste, but you know what? It's sterile. Because <laughs> it's been cooked to the proper temperature. <laughs> and it's been, it's sterile of all any kind of, well, I guess it depends on which Arby's you go to. But that would never happen at Arby's because Arby's is a top outstanding restaurant. Not only do they give you great tasty food, they also make sure that their food is prepared in the cleanest of environments. Arby sauce and, and horsey sauce is where it's at. Uh, did you have any hot takes you wanted to? Uh, yeah. Um, outside of um, what you were saying, I think that this is probably uh, top five of that era. And there's a lot of movies in that era. So I'm pretty sure that this is definitely a hot take for, uh, for some people, but it is definitely cracking my top five for this era in the comedy genre. Hmm. That's, uh, trying to think. Yeah. There's dude, there's so many good ones in here. Yeah. Damn, just from, apparently the magazine Cosmopolitan has (laughs) Medea's Family Reunion as a better film than Meet the Parents, Shaun of the Dead, Anchorman, Dodgeball, Step Brothers, I just keep going. Uh, Medea. You know what? That that's another hot take for another time. <laughs> yeah, I'll save it. <laughs> the Hall of Fame plaque. I'm going to read off some uh, actors or the directors or people involved in the movie. And if they were inducted into the movie Hall of Fame, would this movie be the movie that's featured on their Hall of Fame plaque? So uh, Vince Vaughn. I'm going to say no. No, not I this think, one. I think it's going to be Wedding Crashers. Or swingers would yeah. be one of those two, but I would probably yeah. lean towards wedding crashers because I think that was the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time until The Hangover or The Hangover Two. Oh wow, that's a good uh, record to have. Uh, ben Stiller. No, 
Yeah, I would say uh, Meet the Parents or Zoo. Mm-hmm. I think Zoolander's probably more of a an iconic character, but I'd say Meet the Parents is probably his biggest hit. So, yeah. Um, I kind of decided to go a little uh, come some of the supporting players in this. Um, okay. Christina Taylor. Now, I only say this because she also played uh, Marsha in the Brady Bunch movie, which for a while there, they were pumping out the old TV show remakes as movies, and the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. was actually one of the better ones that they did. You know, I think that uh, um, as good as Dodgeball is, the Brady Bunch is more iconic. Um. I don't know if it did as well though. So it's a really hard call. So probably probably yes for her for dodgeball. Steven Root. No. Yeah, it's gotta be Milton from Office Space. Yep. Uh um, apparently I forgot. <laughs> yeah. And last one I got's Justin Long. No. See, yeah, I I don't think so for him either, but I also don't know what it would be. Um, let's see, Justin Long movies. Uh, I know he was in Die Hard. Probably not that. Um, he was see. in that movie Waiting about the the restaurant. Yeah, uh, Jeepers Creepers. Looks like he was in Tusk. He doesn't drag me to hell. Yeah, and he was also in Galaxy Quest, as we mentioned before. Um, hmm. I'm just going to Google him real quick. Okay. And then uh, uh, see what comes up he, for them that. Yeah, I think that uh, he was in movie 43, but nobody likes that movie except for a few people that I know and me because it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I did not know this. Uh, He's married to Kate Bosworth. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, they don't Hmm. really have a particular movie that he's known for. They rattled off uh, Galaxy Quest, Jeepers Creepers, Dodgeball, Live Free or Die Hard. I would say live free or die hard then. I mean, that's the thing that I remember him from the most out of all those movies. I always remember him from Jeepers Creepers. Okay. But, but neither one is Dodgeball. So But I think Jeepers Creepers that movie I'll remember more because of the the shit that happened with the director more than the yeah. actual movie itself. And that I kind of wanted that dude's truck. <laughs> like I really just went like that would be the perfect truck. Like, hey, don't fucking tailgate me, pal. Yeah. Look what I'm rolling in. <laughs> you need me to blast the horn? Horn's scary as fuck. But um Yeah. So yeah, I would say one of those two. Yeah. Or maybe Justin Long doesn't have that Hall of Fame career yet. I mean, he's been steady, but nothing yeah. of note that would put him in the Hall of Fame. 
So I, I think that's actually the more appropriate answer. Yeah. He was, uh, he was in that 70 show, the breakup idiocracy, like all b- nice things, you know, good roles, but just, you don't remember him in this thing. So right. he's not a, not a hall of fame character. Great role player, but he's not going to be cracked the starting lineup on a, on a team. Yeah. Um, Last uh, category before we wrap this up, the burning question segment. Uh, best dodgeball team name in the tournament. Um, and uh, do you hmm. need me to rattle off the names of the? Yeah, teams? remind me real quick what the names of the teams are. I had it. Let me get. Because there were some really good ones that, like, I laughed at that weren't average shows, or the, or were they the purple cobras. Yeah. Uh, I they had the best was... entrance. <laughs> Lobo Jim had the best entrance. Oh, for sure. Um, I know they had the skills that kills. Hmm. Uh, they had the lumberjacks. They had the LAPD, or mm-hmm. not the LAPD, the Las Vegas Police Department. They had the lumberjacks. Uh, let's see. I'm just rattling those off memory. Yeah. Um, I had it and then they didn't say it here. Okay. There was, uh, of the 32 teams in the Las Vegas tournament, 16 were identified by name or shown in the competition. They are the average Joe's gym. The Globo Gym Purple Cobras, the Flying Cougars, that was the high school team, Team Blitzkrieg, the Kamikazes, Skills That Kills, the Las Vegas Police Department, the Lumberjacks, the MILFs, Moose Knuckles, <laughs> Clown Punchers, the Mulchers, the She Mullets, the Wedgies, and then Yetis and Pouncers. So Moose Knucklers and the New Orleans Clown Punchers are probably going to be the top contenders of this. Um, I, I'm giving it to the Sheep Mullets because I remember <laughs> their logo was a mullet. <laughs> I, you know what? We'll give it to the Sheep Mullets. That's a good one, too. Worst Ben Stiller body shaming character, White Goodman or Tony Perkis from Heavyweights? Oh, heavyweights, no doubt. Yeah, I was going to say heavyweights, too, because he's fucking with kids. Yeah. And, I mean, he he body shames in this, but that's not his only douchebag t- tactic. Uh, in heavyweights, that's pretty much all he does. Yeah. Is White Goodman a top-tier comedy movie villain? You know what? I'm going to say yes. Let's see. That's tough for me because I think the all time, the two greatest comedy movie villains of all time are Judge Smales from Caddyshack and Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Those are really good ones. Now, if we're talking top five, though, I still think that he makes it. There's Derek from Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's Adam Scott's character. I don't know. I'd, I'm going to say no. Simply because I know there's probably guys I'm, I can't think of off the top of my head. Okay. And actually, I'm going to look that up real quick. Um, while you're looking that up, 
how you know i've noticed this after i watched this movie how many roles has ben stiller played a douchebag because i feel like he plays a douchebag really really well like he does it a lot in some <laughs> like in this there's heavyweights uh, heavyweight he's yeah. the shitty intern and happy gilmore yeah uh he's kind of a douchebag in tropic thunder oh he's definitely a douchebag in zoolander yeah. Not like the the mean spirited douchebag, but he's kind of a douchebag in that. Yeah. And for uh, all those uh 90s sitcoms fans, uh he cameoed on Friends and he was a douchebag in that too. Oh yeah, that's that's right. He was on that show. even though I've never yeah. watched Friends. Oh yeah, I can't put him in the top five. Doctor Evil. Oh yeah. <laughs> Man. Bill Lumber. He's gotta be number one. Bill Lumberg from uh, Office Space, Ernie McCracken, Headley Lamar, mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I I can't put him in the top five. Okay, it has been written, so it shall be done. Last one. You kind of already answered this one, but uh, Dodgeball amongst the great comedies of the 2000s. Would it be in I'm going to say five? yes. Yep. That's my hot take, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say no. Uh, I can't put it above Anchorman. Uh, I can't put it above... I can't put it above The Hangover. I don't think I could put it above the 40-year-old virgin. I can't put it above Step Brothers. And I can't put it above Tropic Thunder. I can put it above a, a few of those. Really? But it still cracks the top five. Yeah. All right. Agree to disagree. Okay. But, uh, well, like, the thing of it is, man, there's so many great ones. There is. Which is why it was my hot take. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, week's episode. If you would like, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok. All those links are in the show description below. If you want to comment on this week's episode or anything you've heard, shoot us an email also in the show notes. Uh, If you like what you heard here today, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on a single episode, which we do drop weekly. And please consider taking a brief moment to leave us a review on Apple. If that's the format that you listen to us on, we'd greatly appreciate it. So until next week, we will talk to you guys and gals later. Finney.